Hey family, this is Javer Fitzbogle and I am the creative director of the Detox Movement Global Ministries and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that it blesses you. We hope that it challenges you and we hope that it encourages you to see that God is moving in your life. So come grow with us and enjoy the message. on everybody how you doing y'all let's give jesus a round of applause yo welcome welcome guys if you are joining us welcome to another monday night bible study yo i'm so excited to see what god is going to do tonight y'all listen when i tell you something i tell you god is so good he has been bringing us from glory to glory to glory yo the bible says that we reckon that the suffering of this present time is unworthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in you there is something glorious that god wants to reveal in you and that thing he does to us and through us in seasons where things become difficult they're hard to see it's hard to understand god yo what are you doing in my life God, what are you trying to accomplish in me yo god what are you trying to build up in me father show me what you are trying to do so we have jumped into a series that we are calling evidence now this series has been a blessing so far the message behind this series has been talking about how god has been producing evidence in our lives and evidence comes in different forms in different ways to see that god is moving in our lives for all of you who are joining us today welcome if it is your first time my name is javer fitzbogle i'm the creative director of the detox movement global ministries and this is our bible study we come here every single Monday night, and man, we dive into God's word. And I'm telling y'all, it is a blessing like salad dressing. If y'all like salad dresses, man, I don't know. Put, put what salad dressing you like in the comment section. I'm a, I'm a uh, ranch type of guy. I mess with the blue cheese sometimes too, but it really just kind of depends on it. You know what I'm saying? What kind of salad I'm messing with. But I'm, I'm a ranch type of guy. You know what I'm saying? But put in the comment section what type of salad dressing you like. Uh, it just kind of rhymes with blessings, so we play on it, man. But listen, thank you so much for joining us. If it is your first time, please connect with one of our chat hosts on any of our platforms, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, I don't know where we're streaming from, Zoom, YouTube, wherever you are today, yo, thank you for joining us. I want to say thank you. Please do connect with our one of our hosts. We would love to get you plugged in. We'd love to connect with you and just explore what God is doing in your life as you come to see what God is doing in ours. So... Let's jump into the word of God. Y'all listen, man, if you've been rocking with us for some time, you know that we've been doing a lot of series. A lot of matter of fact, all we've been doing is series. As it's relevant to Bible study, what we want to do is we really do want to bring the word of God in a practical way for you where you can learn it, you can experience it, you can understand God's word in a relatable type of format. This is why we've been bringing to you series. We're not always going to do series. You know, for all y'all just like, man, we're doing series all the time. We're not always going to do series. But we do believe that God has really called us to impact in a unique type of way. And so I'm praying that God will be able to move in us in this medium, that he will show us things that we've never seen before, whether it's through series, whether it's through word, whether it's through creative arts, whatever it may be. We believe that God is going to produce great things in our lives. So we have jumped into a series entitled Evidence. And this series is about understanding that God is doing something in our lives, whether or not we see it. But when you can see it, it builds your faith and it helps you to know that God is moving in your life. And it shows you things that, how do I say this? They build your faith. They encourage you along the way. They remind you of how to step and what to do. It enforces your belief in Christ and it builds up your faith. Last week, we dived heavy into this understanding of evidence. Today, we're going to go in a little bit deeper. Today, we're going to talk about a teaching entitled Sent to Infiltrate. Sent to Infiltrate. One thing I know is this. Anytime you are looking for evidence, you have to dig deep to find it. There are some things you just cannot find unless you dig deep. Whether you dig deep into yourself, whether you dig deep into your family, whether you dig deep into your business, you dig deep into your, to your, uh, to your ministry, you dig deep into whatever it is, sometimes you have to dig below the surface in order for you to find things that cannot be seen. 
When people go to mine for gold and diamonds, they don't generally find them on the surface. They have to dig in places and they have to look for signs which are indicators that show you where something could be. It's not until you find what you're looking for that you can look back at all the signs and say, yes, they were valid. Last week, we talked about truth versus validity and understanding that not everything that is valid is true, but everything that is true is valid. Today, we're going to continue this teaching. Uh, we're going to toggle off of Moses. We started talking about Moses last week and we're going to continue and dive into God's word and kind of share this perspective on what it means to be sent to infiltrate. What I do believe is that God wants us to understand this, that each and every single one of you here in this room and online, that God wants you to know that he's sending you somewhere to infiltrate something for a specific reason. If you are somebody who is an artsy person, let's say you make music, let's say you create videos, let's say you are a writer, let's say you work in healthcare, let's say you work in law, wherever you are, you are there for a specific reason. God has allowed you to be there or he has sent you there specifically on the basis of infiltration. And anytime we talk about infiltration, in this context, what I want you guys to understand is that God sends you because there's something to do. Jump with me to Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. We're going to continue this, this, um, this series entitled Evidence, and we're going to pick it up here. Last week, we started talking about the different tribes of Israel. And how they got to Egypt. Basically, there was a group of 12 people, 12 brothers, about 70-something of them, 70 people in total, who had their family, and they went to Egypt, which was not considered then a place of bondage. And as they left that place where they came to or where God led them to, they all died. Their kids died. And all of a sudden, the people that were there in the first place were no longer there at this time. But the people of Israel were blessed. And because they were blessed, they multiplied. And because they multiplied, they grew in number. And they eventually got to a place or a point in time where it was like, yo, we have so many people. We are like, we're, we're like a legit nation now. You can call this Israel because we are Israel. We've grown so much in number that we're even greater than the people of Egypt that we are in now. So because of their number, because of their value, we see that the Egyptians didn't like that. They were fearful of their number. And we talked about numbers last week. We talked about uh, 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 quality versus quantity last week. And because they were afraid of how many they were and how strong they could be, they said, you know what? We are going to oppress them. So the people of Israel became oppressed because of the fear that the Egyptians had of them and their God. Now, we pick up this story, continuing here, talking about Moses. Moses comes now out of the line or the lineage of Levi. I'm going to read these 10 verses here, and we're going to dive into this discussion today. So Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took, took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, meaning she carried or gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was fine, that he was a fine child, meaning he was special, right, that she hid him for three months. Why did she hid? He hid them because when we talked about this last week, that they were in a place of fear and running from the Egyptians because Pharaoh said, kill all the newborns. So she hid her son. Verse three, when she could hide them no longer, she took for, um, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it or dubbed it or made it out of butamen and pitch. Another version says it's used papyrus and reeds, and she waterproofed the basket. Mm. She put the child in its place, and among the reeds of the riverbank, she sent the child out. Verse 4, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would happen or what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to, to the river where she normally get to bathe. While her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket amongst the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. Verse 6, and when she opened it, she saw a child. And behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this 
is one of the Hebrew children, mm, which is ironic because she comes from Pharaoh's house. So she knows what's up. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse? Shout out to all my nurses out here. Should I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Verse 8, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went. Go. So the girl went. Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me. And I will go to your wages, and I will go give you your wages accordingly, so that the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. Y'all, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for today. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to converse about your word, to grow in our faith, to understand the Bible together, to, to, to just increase in faith and wisdom and knowledge and stature with man. God, I pray that you would bless this word, that you would increase in it to will and to do of your good pleasure. Father, we thank you for what you're doing now and forevermore. Let this word become a seed that plants into the hearts of your people and let it bear good fruit in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Y'all listen. One thing has become clear to me as I've been studying this scripture. I now understand that no matter what happens, when God has an agenda, the agenda will come to pass. When God has a plan, his plan will come to pass. And every single one of us has a plan. And as we're going to be talking about Moses, I want you to understand, although God had a plan for Moses, God has a plan for you. And as we talk about him, I want you to begin to think, God, what is your plan for me? Let's go through it together. In verse 1, it says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levi woman. Now in these times, this is very important to understand, okay, that Hebrews married Hebrews. Egyptians married Egyptians. They didn't do that intermingled Christian mingle stuff. They didn't do none of that. You understand? It was just like, listen, y'all stay over here. Y'all stay over here. The reason being is because there was so much segregation in the land because of poverty, because of oppression, that they did not want to associate themselves with. So they was like, yo, straight up the gate. Y'all stay over here. We stay over here. We get married. Y'all get married. And we talked about this last week. We talked about how the people of Israel multiplied and numbered. As they were oppressed, they multiplied. So we know that multiplication took place amongst the people of Israel specifically because they stayed together. There is something powerful when you stay together. And even though this understanding of togetherness was Egyptians and Hebrews, what I need for everyone to understand today is that we were all meant to stay together for a reason. Because when you come together, God is able to do things that he would not be able to do if there was one of us. The Bible says that one shall chase a thousand, but two will put 10,000 to flight. There is power in numbers, but there was power in multiplication. It says here now, a man from the house of Levi went and took another woman. was like, yo, you a Levi? I'm a Levi. Let's, y'all, let's make babies in verse 2. And the woman conceived and gave or bore or conceived a son. I want to ask y'all this question. And we dive into scripture. I know this is Bible study, but I want y'all to really see that when we talk and we read God's word, sometimes you got to see past what you're reading to understand what God wants you to see. So the idea here is that he conceived a son. You don't always conceive a son. Sometimes you can conceive a daughter. Sometimes you can conceive a job. Sometimes you can conceive business. Sometimes you can conceive other things. It's not always a child when we talk about conception. I want to ask you guys this question today. What are you giving birth to? What are you giving birth to? We see here in, the, in this context that these two came together and they gave birth to a son. But this wasn't no ordinary son. It's not about whether or not this child was a child. It was the fact there was something special about him. There were some things that we give birth to that are special. It says here, they conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was 
a fine child, meaning special, whatever context you're reading him. He was a special child. She hid him for three months. Now, we talked about this last week and how specifically there was so much oppression over the land. Pharaoh was like, yo, kill the newborns. Y'all ain't listen, nurses. Cool. Kill everybody under the age of one. Matter of fact, all the boys, just kill them. Kill them all. There was so much fear in the land. I could not imagine what this mama was thinking. I couldn't possibly think to myself, like, man, I, I just gave birth to a child in the worst possible time. Y'all talk about Black Lives Matter, all these different things. There are literally, historically, there has been certain times or points in time where it is, like, not the best time to have a kid. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's certain times where it's like, yo, this is not the best time for me to lose my job. You know, this really isn't the best time for me to go back to school. You know, this really isn't the best time for me to break up. Uh, this really isn't the best time for this to happen to me. It's not the best time for me to have a child. This is not the best time for me. This is not the best time. There will never be a good time, but there's always a time that feels good. The people of Israel were in a place where there was never a good time, but this was the time that God has for them. They bore a son, and the son was special. By this context, we don't really know what special means. We just know there's something special about this kid. When she could not hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with butamen or bitumen, bitumen, I don't know how to say that word, and she put it together and waterproofed the bowl or the container or the housing or the basket that she used to carry this child, which raises a lot of questions for me. Not because she was fearful, but what kind of fear does it take for a woman or a mother to get to a point to where she feels like the river is safer taking care of her child than she is? Now, this paints a really big picture for us moving forward. Because we have to understand that sometimes we give birth to some things that we are not equipped to take care of. Like God puts us in a place or a position to move. He puts us in a place or a position to accomplish, to do things, to give birth to things. But what happens when you give birth to something that you are not ready for? What do you do? The Bible says that she was in a place to where she had hid him for three months. Meaning she was trying to do this for as long as possible. But she's like, yo, I can't keep hiding this. I can't keep hiding. I can't keep hiding this. I can't keep hiding my child. What are you hiding that you are not able to hide forever? Let's talk about it. We look at Jonah. Jonah was a perfect example. Jonah was somebody who God gave him a word. Watch this. Jonah conceived a word from God which was to go to Nineveh and speak the word. And because he gave birth to this, he was like, yo, maybe I can just take this word with me. Maybe I can just hold this around. I mean, God, I hear you. I, I really don't want to go out there and do this. So let me just, maybe I can just hold this word. You know what, God, I really don't want to go. He was hiding from God because he did not want to go and do what God told him to do. Because he hid, guess what happened? God found him out and he landed in a cold, dark, and secluded place. The reason why I bring up Jonah in this context, because we can give birth to different things, is because Jonah decided to run away from what he was supposed to do. But here we see that the mother of Moses didn't run, but she did all that she could until she said, you know what, I got to give up the ghost. I can't do this. I'm not built for this. You know what? I, I, I really, I want to parent this kid, but I feel like this kid is safer on the river. God, I'm going to do something. Now, don't forget, she was a believing woman. She believed in God. She was a faith-filled believer. They were talking about the people of Israel. You believe in this God, right? And they know they're a little shaky on their faith because they don't really know Jesus that well. But at the root of it, they still know who God is. So God's always like, listen, the he who's raised up in the way of the Lord, he will always come back. So like, they know about Jesus now. And she's like, wait a second. I can't do this. I'm going to have to let this baby go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a basket to put the child in, and I'm going to put it down the river. What baffled me wasn't just that she put the child in the river, but she did everything that she could possibly do to waterproof the container. Anytime God gives a word or he sends a word, 
He will always make sure the word has everything it needs to come to pass. The Bible says that God's word goes out and it does not return without completing what it was sent out to do. Which means that when God sends a word, when God sends something out in your life, when he says, yo, Crystal, I got a word for you. When he says, yo, Eric, I got a word for you. Bishop, I got a word for you. When, when God sends a word, he, he always makes sure it has everything it needs to survive. The problem that we have in the body of Christ is not that God's word doesn't have what it needs. It's that most people will not let go of what they have. This hit different for me because I'm sitting there, I'm like, yo, you mean to tell me she thought the river was safer? How many of you don't believe that what's in your hand is safer somewhere else? I learned this really hard lesson uh, a lot of times in my family, right? My dad and I, we used to go back and forth. And growing up, me and my dad, we didn't have the, like, the best relationship. We really struggled together growing up. But one thing I did know is this. My dad made some really tough decisions with me. There are some times I used to act a fool when I was younger. I was a little rebellious. I come, I say it. You know, I was wild in these streets. Chaz, <laughs> we went to high school together. You understand? I was a little wild back then. And there were some times that my dad was just like, yo, I ain't letting you back in the house. You leave this house. I ain't letting you back. You ain't coming back in this house. It has to be like, bet. Yeah, you won't do it. I'll call your bluff. I kid you not. I remember one time I went out. I came back a little later than usual, and he didn't let me in the house. Now, this was a rough night. Because I remember if I was like 20, 19, I don't know, I was young, but I remember that he didn't let me back in the house because he's like, yo, this is what's going to happen. If you don't follow it, boom, too bad. And out of this, I, you know, at first I grew a little bit of resentment, like, yo, how you going to treat me like this, daddy? Like, you don't know me. How you going to treat me like this? And then it hit me when I got older that sometimes you cannot understand certain things until you see it after you've been digging on the surface. My father knew that I wasn't going to listen. So because I wasn't going to listen to him, he said, listen, it's better that I give you to God than take care of you myself. Now, I made some dumb decisions during these times. I remember the time I took the car, I took the little you know, minivan. I was like 3 o'clock in the morning taking the minivan. Now, it was, it, was, it was some, you know, I was a little crazy back in the day. But I remember those times when I got scolded and I felt like I didn't deserve the treatment. And you never know what parents are going through when they feel like they have a child and they just don't know how to take care of this child. Sometimes it's better to let God do it. What are you holding that you are not willing to let go of? Because I have come here today to tell you that in order for you to understand where God is taking you, there are some things in your life you have to let go of. I'm talking about things that are precious to you, things that are valuable, things that hit different, hit different. Yeah, I'm talking about that. It hits so different. You're like, man, I can't let go of this particular thing, man. This is, what is it that you're holding that you're not willing to let go of? Because if you don't let go of that particular thing, it will never make it to the destination it was intended to go to. But in some cases, when God's like, yo, I got my hands in this, sometimes God will make sure that his word comes to pass, even at your expense. And what happens to a lot of us that don't want to let go of certain things in our lives is we end up in a cold, dark, and secluded place. Like Jonah ended up in the, in the mouth of a fish. That's, that's a cold, dark, and secluded place. You're wondering why you can't get better. Why you're not feeling better? Why are you so depressed all the time? Why does it feel like you're alone? Why do you always feel this void inside of you? Why? What is it that you're holding on to that God's like, listen, I need to move it, but you won't let go of it. There comes a point in time where you have to let go so God can do the work. He says here, when she could not hide him no longer. Some of y'all need to stop hiding what you have. Some of y'all need to stop hiding your gifts. Some of y'all need to stop hiding your talents. Some of y'all need to stop hiding that thing that holds you. Some of y'all need to let go of some of these kids that are acting a fool. Some of y'all need to trust God with what he gave you. Because God is the giver of everything. Why do we hold on to things that we never gave ourselves? 
See, God is the giver of all things. It says she took him, Exodus chapter 2, reading verse 3. It says she took all these things and she waterproofed it together, not knowing that God had a bigger agenda. She put the child in it and placed it amongst the reeds by the riverbank. Why is this important? Guys, let's talk about evidence. Evidence is specific, meaning it is what it is or it's not what it is. Either it fits the picture or it doesn't fit the picture. And we talked about this last week, talking about the truth versus validity. Yo, my feelings are valid, but is it true? Either it fits or it doesn't fit. Specifically, they put the baby on the river. Almost as if they knew, but, but I'm telling y'all, God always makes sure. He always moves in such a way that you don't even recognize as God. There's no thing as coincidence. Coincidences don't exist. It's either God or it's not God. Coincidences don't exist. Now, God can move in what we call coincidences, but coincidences don't exist. It's either God doing something or it's not him. It's either truth or it's valid. They put him along the riverbank side next to the reeds or the little, if you're from Florida, you know what I'm talking about. They got them little water, water straw sticks. Yeah, you're talking about them ugly-looking things. Yeah, I'm from Florida, so y'all know. They put him there along the riverside. It says, when she could not hide him no longer, she went and did that, which is so specific because she realized that there comes a point where you have to let go. It says, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now, this is very important. I'm keep reading. It says, now, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. So the sister saw, and the princess came. Okay, this is important. We have to understand here, contextually speaking, the sister didn't know what was going to happen. The moms didn't know what was going to happen. And I pray, I promise you, princess, she's probably thinking she's going to get a little bath and go home. Nobody knew what was going to happen, but I want to tell you this today, even if you don't know, and your mom and them don't know. And your boyfriend don't know. God always knows. Look at what happened. It says, now, the sister stood at the distance and watched. Now, the daughter came, fell down to bathe at the river, specifically the river, while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket amongst the reeds. Why? Why is it so important? And then sent the servant woman to go look at it. Why is it so important? Because when God sends his word, He's always meticulous on where it goes. If his word goes out and it does not return null and void or without completing what it was sent out to do, it means it has to be strategically in place in order for you to see it. If you can see the signs, you'll realize that there is evidence from the start that God is doing something. All the way at the top, it says, yo, there was something special, and she didn't know what it was. Y'all, we don't need to know what's special about our situation. That feeling inside you is like, man, I just got to let go of this thing. I don't know what this thing is. Man, this is so special. I don't really know. You don't need to know. What you do need to know is that God is in control. Write that down. You do not need to know anything except God is in control of everything. You don't got to know. You don't got to know how your situation is going to work out. If you trust God and your faith is in him, the situation will work out itself. Look how the situation is working out. It just so happened that the baby just so happened to be on the side of the river in the same time where it just so happened that the princess of the Pharaoh was going down to bathe where she had her servants walk along the corner where it just so happened that the baby was right there. Y'all, I'm telling you, there was no such thing as coincidences. God always moves in coincidence because he is coincidence. Coincidence is to the person who does not understand spiritual things. They call it coincidence. Today, when you do not understand something, you can call it a coincidence, but I'm telling you it's God or it's not him. When you know it's him, you don't call it coincidence, you say it's God. When you don't know it's him, you call it coincidence. Who is it? If it's true, it's him. If it's not, it's not. It just so happened 
The baby was going in a place where it just so happened the Pharaoh's daughter was, and it just so happened she had her servants along the side where the baby was. And it says, amongst the reed, and set her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw a child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took it and had pity on him. Interesting how this baby would not have been found if the mother did not let go. I'm going to come back to that point here. And I'm going to keep reading because I want to make sure you guys grab what I'm saying. Y'all need to grab this because this is about to hit home. What verse, what verse are we on? What verse are we at? Is it three? No, six. So we're at verse seven, right? So it says, verse seven, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women? Okay, now let's talk about this. What's happening here in verse 7 is something that happens to everyone who allows God to have his way in their life. And it happens to nobody who doesn't allow God to have his way in his life. We're not talking about grace. Grace is a whole different category. We're talking about things that happen and we're like, wow, that has to be a sign. Like, like this has to be evidence. Like, this has to be God. She says here then his sister. Now, if y'all weren't paying attention, the sister was watching, and she didn't know what was going to happen. It says, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, so she came down to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse? Yo, yo this, this is telling you she's the sister. She knows the mom. She's like, yo, you want me to go get somebody for you? So she's not even telling Pharaoh's daughter that she knows who the baby is. But she comes up in such a way and says, yo, do you want me to find somebody for you? Because I know somebody. She's real cool. <laughs> she's she real cool, though. Like, she'll real life take care of this baby. Shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women? Because I heard about them, too, to nurse a child for you. And look what happened. She said, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. This is the word for every single one of you here today. Go. Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. What is God trying to get you to do so that he can get you to go? This baby is about to go back to the mom who legit sent the baby out because she didn't know what else to do. Y'all, I'm trying to get a picture for y'all. This is how God works. God works like this. God will literally say, yo, if you let go of it, it'll be as if you never let go in the first place. Look at what happened to Abraham. God said, yo, Abe, yo, Abe, uh, listen, man, I, I know you trust me, but I, I need you to do something for me. Well, what is it, God, what you want me to do? I need you to kill your son. <laughs> well, yo, you tell God, you want, you want me to kill my son? But you talking, you say I was going to be father of all nations, father Abraham. And he said, like, what, the, what you want me to kill my own son? Like, you crazy, God? Uh, yeah, yeah, I want you to kill your own son. Why? I mean, because I said so. Well, wait, wait, God, is there is like a trick? Is there like a loophole in this? Like, like, are you sure you want me to do this? Yeah, 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 just go kill him. Take his life. Do it good, too, because I want to make sure, you know, blood's everywhere. I want to see all of that. Can, can y'all can make it happen for me? Can y'all make it happen? So he goes, yeah, okay, God, well, I trust you, so, oh, my God, this is going to be the hardest thing. Could you imagine God tells you that you're going to have a child? You're, you're really, really old. He tells you you're going to be a father of all nations. And when you have a son, he says, now take the life. There are some decisions that are so hard for a reason. Because on the other side of what was difficult, you'll find some of the greatest blessings you would ever have access to. Abraham went and took his son to the altar. And the Bible says as he went to raise his hand to kill his son, the angel of the Lord stopped him. And he was pleased because not because he was about to kill his son, but because he was obedient. There are some things that you will not have access to unless you obey what God is telling you to do. And if you hold on to it, like if Abraham were to say, God, this is my son. I'm going to hold on to my son. 
You told me I was going to have a son and I was going to be the father of all nations. I'm going to hold on to it. If you hold on to certain things that God is saying let go, you will never be able to receive the blessing on the other side of it. Because he chose to let go of his son, God made him the father of all nations. Y'all look at the blessing. Because she chose to let go of her son. Yo, the Bible says he wouldn't even know what this baby's name is until Pharaoh's daughter names him. He was probably nameless. She was probably so afraid that he was going to die anyway. She didn't want to name him. Like, I ain't going to even name this kid. Boy, I'm just going to, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're just going to be, I'm going to call you nameless. You know what I'm saying? Because he's so fearful. What happens when it's so heavy to let go? But God is saying, let go anyway. Because she let go, because she laid it down, because she laid Moses down, she was able to pick him back up again. Y'all jump with me to John chapter 10, verse 17. John chapter 10, verse 17. Let's talk about it. 17 and 18. It says, now for this reason alone, the father loves me. Because I laid down my life that I may pick it back up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. Ain't nobody told me to do this, but, but I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to do it. Nobody else told me to do it. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back up again. So this charge I have received from my father. I want y'all to know this today. God has charged every single one of you with the ability to let go and the ability to pick up. Jesus is now in context here and he's saying, now I, for this reason, God loves me. We're talking about the ability to put things down that you love. He says, yo, Jesus loves, God loves Jesus because I, I choose to lay it down. Did you know that God loves you even more when you choose to lay things down that he has given you? One of the heaviest things to hold on to is the thing you want that God said let go of. When God or Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said, yo, G he said, yo, uh, when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said, yo, was it Peter? Who was it? Someone help me uh, get the context right. I believe it was Peter. Was it Peter who said, who, no, I don't think it was Peter, where he said, now pick up your cross and follow. He said, yo, just follow me. Just follow me. Was it, who was it? He said, just follow me. And his response, it actually was an unknown disciple. It was an unknown disciple. I remember it now. He said to the disciple, now follow me. And the disciple said, ah, let me go and bury my family real quick. Let me go and take care of what I love. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead. Follow me. I have discovered that it is far more difficult to let go of something than it is to follow Jesus. See, some of y'all think, oh, it's hard to follow Jesus. No, my boy, it's not. It's hard to let go of what you want. Following Jesus is easy. It's letting go of what's in your hand that's difficult. What is in your hand, Moses? What is in your hand, Chad? What is in your hand, Kiki? Yo, Tammy, what is in your hand? It's harder to let go. But there's a blessing in letting go. Y'all stay with me. I know I'm running out of time, but I got to get through this here. This is very, very important. So we see here that now in verse 7, it says the sister said to Pharaoh, yo, can I go find you somebody? She's like, yeah, 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 go find me someone. She found someone. Now verse 8 says, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Because the mom was, let, was able to make the hard choice to let go of what was in her hand, it came right back to her. For this reason the Father loves me, that I would lay down the very thing that God would give me the ability to pick it back up again. 
It says, and Pharaoh's daughter went and said, now go. So take the child away and nurse him for me. Now Pharaoh tells the mom, not even knowing it's the mom. She don't even know that God's so, God's a savage, man. He said, yo, yo, he said, take the child away and nurse him for me. I will even give you your wage. Yo, this, this is unheard of. She gets her son back, and now she's getting paid to take care of her own son. Yo, it, it, God ain't a savage. Well, God's like, yo, yo, if you let go, I'll bring it back, and I'll make you some money. Look, if we only knew that a paycheck and restoration was on the other side of letting go, all about everybody would do it. But some of us don't want to let go, so we'll never see the paycheck. You ain't never going to see the blessing. You're not going to get that salad dressing. You ain't going to get it because you're holding on tight to the very thing that God said let go of. Take this child, like, the mom's like, you sure? <laughs> and I will give you your wages. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> so that the woman took the child and nursed him was the verbiage. But in other words, she got her family back. Some of y'all come from broken homes. And you're like, God, I want my family back. And God's like, let go of it then. Yo, God, I want my life back. Then let go of it then. Yo, God, I want my job back, then let go of it then. Yo, God, I want my husband back, my wife back, then let go of it then. What does it mean to let go? To let go means to lay down. Some of y'all are not willing to lay down the things that God has given you, and you don't even realize there's a blessing on the other side, which is so interesting. The Bible says, and she took and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, verse 10, and the child grew older. She brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, named Moses, because I said, I drew him out of the water. I want to speak to you for these last few minutes from this idea of being drawn out of something. God will always take you out, to put you back in. He'll put you in to take you back out. When he lays you down, it's so that you can be picked up. And he picks it up so that you have the opportunity to lay it back down. Talking about reciprocity. Write this point down. Actually, you know what? I don't want you to write this one down. I, I, that's a whole other point. I don't want to go there, and I probably don't have enough time to address that. But I want you to understand that God always functions in evidence. God will always lay you down in order to set you up. God will always lay you down in order to set you up. John 10, 10 says, because of this, the father loves me. I lay it down so that I may take it up. Moses' mother laid down Moses into the water and the servant of the princess came and picked her up. Moses' mom laid it down and it was picked back up. Moses was laid down so that he could be picked up again. What have you not laid down that gives you access to the greatest blessing you could ever pick back up again? When God says yes, even the enemy can't say no. Let's not pretend like the Pharaoh's daughter is not the enemy. Let's not do that. She's she the enemy, bro. She's real life the enemy. But when God says yes, not even the enemy can say no. She named him Moses because he was lifted. And there, that means that he was first in a place that was low. And when you Google the understanding, the elevation, and the placement of the Nile, you'll find that this river was at a low valley place. So Moses was put down low so that he could have access to be raised up. Because she let go of him, Moses was given access to the highest place in the land. It wasn't that he was just special but it had everything to do with the fact that she let go. Because she let go of him, God was able to use Moses to infiltrate the land. Just like Joseph was sold into Egypt, 
Joseph had gone through a lot. We talked about this briefly last week. We talked about how Joseph was sold into Egypt. His brothers had sold him, and that's essentially how he got into Egypt. But Joseph was sold into a place where he was literally in the dungeon just so God could raise him up. He was locked up in prison in the bottom so God could raise him up. His brothers threw him in a hole in the ground because they despised him just so God could take him out. God is getting ready to take some of you out, but he's waiting for some of you to lay it down. Y'all stay with me. I know I'm running out of time, but I want to get through this point here. This is very, very important. I'll read verse 7 and 8 again. It says, Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse? Shall I go and get somebody? And Pharaoh said, Now go. So the girl went. Moses' mother, y'all write this down. Moses' mother had hope. This is so good. Moses' mother had hope. She did not know what was going to happen. But she had hope that something could happen. She's like, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to lay it down. Abraham said, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to lay it down. Joseph said, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to lay it down. You do not need to know, but know that God is in control. He says here, all she had was hope. And the evidence, excuse me, the only evidence she ever needed was to believe. Hope was the only evidence she had that God could do something. Where there is substance, you will always find truth. Where there is truth, you will always find validity. And where there is validity, you will always find evidence. Substance is the fundamental property of evidence. The Bible says here in Hebrews 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You don't need to see. But my God, if you got hope, if you got hope in Jesus, if you trust God to do something in your life, if you're saying, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but if you're telling me to let go of this, God, I'm going to let go of it. You do not need to know. Just know that God is in control. It says now faith, faith for now, is the substance, which is the fundamental property of evidence, of things hoped for and the evidence of the things you cannot see. God is building something in you, but it starts with obedience. What is God telling you to let go of that you're not willing to let go of that takes away the fundamental property of evidence so that you can get the blessing that God has already laid in front of you? See, there are some of us that have such amazing blessings that God gave us, but we won't give it up, so we'll be stuck with it until it dies. Moses would have died. Now, now God's word is eternal. So, so the people of Israel still would have received salvation, but, but Moses would have died if it had not been for her obedience. I want to pray for you guys tonight. And I pray that this word brings illustration to the idea of laying things down. That when you lay something down, you're giving yourself access to pick it up again, but you're giving yourself access called evidence. You see, evidence in laying it down actually is only seen when you get the chance to pick it up again. Which means she had no idea that the baby was coming back. But because the baby came back, her obedience became her evidence. Some things God has given you as evidence, you'll never know that it is until you obey but it's been there the whole time. Father, I thank you, God, for each and every single person listening under the sound of my voice in this moment. God, I pray that this word brings life to them. Father, I pray that this word 
encourages them to see that God is moving in their life. I pray, Father, that you would strengthen them. Let this word germinate, plant deep into their hearts. Encourage them to dig beyond the surface of their adversity so that they could find you at the center. Father, you are the center of it all. God, I thank you for what you're producing in us because I know that it is a perfect work lacking nothing. So, God, I just pray in this moment that this word would land on the hearts of those who could hear. And, Father, help those here who can't hear so that they can also receive it. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in Jesus' name. And if you are somebody who wants to know about this God that I talk so passionately about, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. If that's you and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to understand who this God is that we talk so passionately about, this person that you say has been given evidence to so many things in my life even though I can't see it, you want to know who that person is, I'm going to pray for you right now. If that is you, I want you to repeat these words. Father, I'm a sinner. God, I don't know what I know. But I pray, God, that you would help me to become the person you have called me to become. Father, take me out of my old and into my new. Come into my life as my Lord and my Savior, now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey family, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it was a blessing to you. If you have any questions, comments, testimonies, or prayer requests, we would love to hear from you. Send us a message to the Detox Movement on all social platforms. And be sure to get your official Detox brand merch at thedetoxbrand.com. And above all things, family, remember that you are loved, you are blessed, you are beautiful, and most importantly, you are detoxified by God's amazing grace. And until next week, family, God bless you.